the incident was unlike anything they had seen in the area. It was first observed by local woman, Sharon Bixwee. She had oh, something I never to see- say. Sorry. Oh, uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, narrator lady. I, I'd never seen anything like it. It was, it was, it was, it was incredible. There, there must have been two, three hundred people there. What happened next will shock you. It was just cows, cows everywhere, and for every cow, there was a man wielding a metal detector, like it, like his life depended on it. Which, frankly, perhaps it did. As everyone knows, cows are one of the most deadly animals in the entire world, partly because they crave blood. <laughs> Local cow expert Maxwell Hoffnuff has something to say on the matter. Oh, I've been running Maxwell Hoffnuff's ho- uh, bovine uh, hole for over 45 years and... Let me tell you, if you get into the cow business, it's it really is truly dangerous. I, you know, they say that uh, that being a builder is the most dangerous uh, uh, career path that you could go down. You know, loads of builders die on building sites every year, but that is nothing compared to the number of people that are gored by cows every year. You would not believe the number. It is in the millions every year gored by cows and those numbers compare nothing to the amount of gun homicides committed by cows <laughs> i can't finish let me try again <clears throat> and those numbers compare nothing to the amount of gun homicides committed by cows every year in the uk despite the small amount of guns actually in the uk they just share them around cows just share them around we reckon there's only about 45 pistols, but they keep passing them. You know, you take cows from one field to another and you pat them down just to check they've not got any concealed weaponry. But those udders, oh, they can tuck a glock in between two of their udders and you'd never know it were there until it's too late. This, of course, was the cow's territory, so you can't blame them for defending themselves. But you have to pity these local detectorists when they got more than they could have possibly bargained for. Not a lot of people not working with cows know just how viciously territorial they can be with their gang territory, if you will. We was coming out of the woods. We just, we just found a couple of coins. Saxon coins, really worth something. Thought we might sell them to a collector or donate them to a museum. Um, and we'd seen the cows on the way in. There were a few of them, you know, just a couple dozen. We thought nothing of it, really. You know, we all see cows in the adverts for the milk. We think they're all all right. They seem quite friendly. Kind eyes. Beautiful eyes. Just losing yourself in their eyes, you know? And, and we thought, well, that's all right. We'll only be an hour or so and we'll come back this way. The cows don't seem no harm. But by the time we'd come back out of the woods, they'd formed a phalanx or a phalanx. I'm never sure how you're supposed to say that. They'd armed themselves. I don't know where they got the guns from. 
but they'd made themselves into some kind of Roman tortoise formation. It was terrifying. They just kept walking, walking towards us, guns raised in their hooves. That terrible scene was wit witnessed by Winston Trouble Whether or not his testimony can be trusted considering his past relationship with cows is unclear, but... <laughs> Listen, I, it's not my first encounter with the bovine kind, you know. You know, we were all young once and lonely in the late 1980s. You know, Thatcher was still in power and there wasn't much to do in the countryside. You don't have to tell me I work for the BBC. <laughs> We've gone too far. I have I to, could do this we, for an hour. We need to end the bit here. <laughs> I would just advise, just one last piece of advice to anyone out there thinking of coming down to Borsetshire to take advantage of this Saxon horde. Don't bite off more cud than you can chew. They'll get you. They'll get you. God. Their eyes. Wise words. Sure to be put right next to those of Winston Churchill at the eve. <laughs> of the day. <laughs> next on the show, we'll be talking about the Christmas lights going up. <laughs> In the village square. On to you, Susan. Oh, Hello and welcome to Ambridge to Nowhere, a Archer's adjacent podcast. I am... Still, Alex. Hi, everybody. I'm a missing connections ad. The back of a newspaper. Circled. You thought about picking up the phone, but you never did. And, uh, <laughs> somehow we've made it this far. Uh, and we continue relentlessly onwards in our last episode of 2020. What a year it's been for the Archers. Nothing untoward has happened, and it has just been a thoroughly average, enjoyable, normal experience for all listeners of BBC mm. Radio 4. A calmness that reflects the state of our nation. Just yes. Peace on earth and and mercy mild. Uh, and you you're already getting us into the festive spirit there. Uh, <laughs> Are those the lyrics? I've never really paid attention. Peace on earth and mercy mild. Is it mercy mild? Je I feel like that's Jesus how I've Christ always heard it, but that makes no child. fucking sense. So it's always bothered me. Mercy is mercy already mild. Mild. <laughs> mild mercy, rather than aggressive, virulent mercy. <laughs> um, 
Mercy so, pissed uh, off. Mercy peed. <laughs> Mercy passive aggressive. <laughs> um, so we are ramping up to the holiday season, which, of course, we all know that in Ambridge, they really do go off. They do Christmas. go off. They do like to go off. So uh, please enlighten me. How hard are they going in this the year of our lord 2020 do you want me to start serious on that or do you want me to be funny about it <laughs> oh no um <laughs> well i guess I, I guess i was hoping you were gonna say like it's all popping off there's a you know christmas lights competition or something but no it sounds like oh, they were doing dying. lights they were doing lights this week right i can okay. say they're i can pu- say normal putting, things about the show they're putting their lights up okay great is there any? So there was a bit know, of an incident, nice actually. Pastoral drama about that? No. Okay. There was tangential Go. pastoral drama about some lights. Let me tell you all about it. So you remember Tracy? We love Tracy. Uh, if I say yes, will you carry on with the story? Yes. So I'm yes. going to stop doing the thing where I constantly torment you about the inability to remember the names of the characters because otherwise <laughs> that's going to be the whole show eventually. Yep. Um, so Tracy, we love Tracy. She lives right on the green and they usually do a thing in the village where everyone on near the green or on the green lights up their lights, you know, in sequence. It's like a big thing that they do. Um, and she hasn't done it before, even though she's right on the green. And then we're going to do it this year. But it got turned for her house to light up and she was watching and uh, her little kid didn't set on the light. And she was like, what the fuck? And she went back to the house. And uh, her 14-year-old boy has been vomiting everywhere because Jazza has sold him some fucking moonshine. Some moonshine? Well, he, like, makes what is his this, own 1933? He makes his own alcohol. And some I want to call it, gin. it's homebrew, but, uh, you know, it's moonshine, basically bathtub gin that he's been selling to a literal child probably um which she's understandably really pissed about i would be somewhat concerned um so he's like he he's just phasing and obviously if you're a 14 year old boy and you get into some like nasty homebrew alcohol and you drink as much as you want without inhibitions you can fucking die really easily like I, we uh, all remember our friends who almost killed themselves in uh, high school no, we don't remember our friends who did it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember if my first experience with alcohol was disastrous. Oh, it wasn't my first experience, uh, but it was, you know, I was yeah. I was once also 14 and drank way too much and uh, somehow got away with it. Mm-hmm. I didn't uh, have anything too disastrous happen to me with alcohol until uni. Um, and then I used to do pretty well. And then it it got to a point that the part of the reason I started drinking was for some reason I just couldn't have a drink without being miserable. Like, it just became such an insane lightweight. So. Wow, you, you sound like my, my grandfather. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> um okay so why did 
Jazza sell this child alcohol? Well, he Does was he not like, know how well, old the child ID. is? So they had a big fight about this because she ran over to his place. And I don't know if you remember, but he lives with Jim Lloyd. You know, our, I our, remember Jazza and Jim. Yes, the, our the good, true good friend Jim. Of the village. Yeah. She ran in, like slamming on the door and calling, calling him names. Uh, and he was pretty unapologetic about it. Like, he had ID, and she's like, he's not, <laughs> he's a 14-year-old boy, he doesn't look old enough to drink. Also, he's not like, even that doesn't, tall. Doesn't everyone in the village basically know everyone in the village? So you that know- That was something you were, I was unclear like, about. like, there for his fucking christening. Like, it's not, you yeah. know that he's not 18. To my knowledge, they're not very close. But it, I was, I admit, a little bit surprised that he wouldn't know the kid. I mean, I live in a relatively small village. I don't know how many people live in Ambridge, uh, but I imagine that it's probably about the same size as my village. And I don't know everyone, certainly not, but I do know, like, if there are young kids around. Like, I wouldn't, I, I could estimate the age of children. That sounded far more pedo-y than I meant it, it to. It wasn't pedo-y to me. It was more like it sounded sinister and like, like, I, I know I just, things kind of way. I just have like, to keep track like of all the kids, Like, you're aware of, you know? cho- you're like, I'm aware there are children around. I just have to, I just have to know if there are children nearby. Like, you have to protect them from something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, you're, oh, you're running more, the, like, hot fuzz you know, small village mafia, and you're like, yeah, absolutely. Oh, we should keep I, the children away from this. The, the children don't need to be involved in this. They're too <laughs> pure. Uh, when you turn 15 in this village, you get inducted into the secret order. Um, okay, so he he was unapologetic about supplying alcohol to an underage child. Yeah. So was was Tracy just like out? in the street and she'd left her child to press the button when they counted down and they yeah, were like yeah. three so she was two like one and then nothing happened watching it and then nothing happened i think it was her oldest daughter that she'd left to do it and then she'd come back finding that the reason they hadn't done it was because the teenage boy had just like wandered into the house and started vomiting on everything because he was drunk and jim said to jazza once tracy had left their place he was like I have a low opinion of you now. You need to go apologize. So Jazza does that thing that people do where he goes over to her place as well. He says, Jim told me I should apologize. And I was oh, like, great. good start, yeah, yeah. dude. I've been, I've been informed that I've I need to I've been informed that I am a bitch. Yeah, I've been told that uh, you are upset and I'm sorry if my actions made you yeah. upset. Yeah, so he was doing that, that level of thing. apology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then he got out 20 quid and he was like, oh, I'll fuck, contribute to the cleaning. And she was like, oh, God, you suck. Wow. <laughs> and he called her a hypocrite because he was like, I bet when you were his age, you were drinking as much. Yeah, I know what your dad's like. And she was like, dude, you're not helping. <laughs> Dad, that's yeah. Pile he on said the things to be mad wrong. about. I was re. I. Uh, he's go- He's going. He's going on my list. He's going on the list. Yeah, that's it. He's he's go- not even going on the big big fucking dumbass stupid, uh, fungus brain idiot list. He's going. He's going on the sh- on the shit list. He's do a not fucking, pass go. He's a go curd. direct to shit list. He's a big curd. <laughs> um, I. This is you're 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 making this list. Are you are you checking it twice or are you just 
I'm going to find out who deserves to die. <laughs> Santa Claus is coming to town. Dun dun. Uh, uh, okay, so that is not as festive a lights experience as I was hoping Nothing for. Nothing was super festive this week, not gonna lie. I'm just trying to cram it all in because I know that we're gonna miss the actual... We're gonna have to have a retrospective festive Well, okay, uh, so there was one... There's one story that it's, it's reasonably lighthearted and festive. Do you want to do that now, or do you want to do that last to kind of smooth I, things out? Because we I, kind of need to talk about uh, drinking while you're pregnant and uh, slavery. So do you want to do those? <laughs> do you want to get those I, out of the way? Uh, or, you know, just like that real, like, you know, good holiday magic kind of narrative. I think it's dead. I think the holiday magic is dead when you mentioned <laughs> slavery. Um, let's let's keep on the alcohol theme and move on to another person that shouldn't be drinking. Not only is it a 14-year-old boy, but also a pregnant woman. Yes. So, a couple of times in the past I've talked about Alice and how much I fucking hate her. Because um, she just... The sound of her voice. But... <laughs> I, I get that with people. She, I, I understand. You also don't have much more to go on, right? I mean, she's an audio drama <laughs> it's, character. It's true. It's you true, literally it's only true. have the sound of her voice to go on. So yeah, yeah. really, you can't be blamed. You for kind of have to on rely that. on how a voice sounds in the show. It's a very effective voice for the character. I'm not actually complaining. I'm. I want to clarify. I'm not complaining about the acting. It's like or, or like the writing, it's just literally that yeah. character is unlikable to you. I think her story's been written very well because they've been building up for a long time and, you know, I'm always very I'm always praising the pacing on the show. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. that people have kind of brought it up and then dropped it, how she'll drink too much at parties and make a fool of herself and drinks at inappropriate times and uh, always says, come on, let's go out and have a drink. Like she's that person. And she was trying to quit drinking so much, but not with the conversation about the fact that she was an alcoholic. It was just a thing. They were doing like a let's stop drinking as much thing and she was struggling with it. Um, and uh, she was caught drunk at work one time by Ed. I think it was Ed. It was Ed. And uh, that was when the whole thing happened where she thought he had a crush on her, but he was really just worried about her because she was an obvious alcoholic. It was I, I really embarrassing. This now, yeah. That, yeah. The mortifying ordeal. So then she gets pregnant and obviously she has to stop drinking, um, but she doesn't. And Chris is freaking out, but he's only just now told Harrison, who's obviously the local copper. Um, not in, I, I mean, see, he's not told her him in any vein of it being illegal. Sorry, I'm being run <laughs> by my grandma. Sorry, I can't talk right now, grandma. I'm, I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about alcoholic fictional characters and therefore <laughs> you are not as important as this conversation 
Yeah. I'm just going to tell her I'm recording that podcast she never listens to. <laughs> Shout out. Um... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's um... not that she doesn't like it. It's just that it's out of her orbit. That is... <laughs> She doesn't, uh, like, have podcast things. Yeah, perhaps how it should remain. Um, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, okay, so he he told he told, uh, yeah, he told the pigs. He told the he told the fuzz, and not because he's trying to get her in trouble or anything. Chris and Harrison are very close friends. Um, Harrison very much framed it like, I'm, I know what it's like when people are hiding things. So he could tell something was wrong because he basically said, it's my job to know when people are being sus. Just true. As much as I hate the pigs, he's it's very good at his job, job. To sniff out the imposter. <laughs> so she's run off to Bath away from Chris. I mean, it's not being very explicit about how, if they're in contact I think she's kind of ignoring everyone in the family. She's not picking up calls. So it's pretty rough. And Chris is distraught. And that was one of the last things I listened to before we recorded. Because I always do a little bit of a catch up before we record. That is uh distressing. Pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. uh that's that's concerning. So the the implication is that she's run off to Bath to continue her Mm -hmm. uh way of life undisturbed basically yeah oh um, great yeah it's real real messy and you know you don't know how it's gonna go i i admit to not you know i try to keep informed on medical issues and i know quite a little bit about what substance abuse can do to kids um, I, it's not great. From no, what I'm, well, from what I, I mean, know. I, I'm, not, I'm not a the doctor. The thing I was going to say I don't know much about is, you know, how definite that is. So whether or not there is an absolute definite chance of very serious consequences. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, because I, I know, know with more either, serious things like heroin and that kind of thing, there is an absolute, like yeah, absolutely. you know. Um, kids being born addicted and that kind of thing but i don't know if that's the thing with alcohol or not you have to think that the writers like taking a step back on a meta level you have to think that the writers can't allow can't be like ah oh, she's an alcoholic and she's drinking while she's pregnant there are no repercussions for this uh i mean you'd have no. to think that at some point in the future they're gonna have to address it in some way i do that's... worry how serious they're gonna go because yeah. i mean with the way that they're framing it right now are things gonna go insanely dire that's what i'm wondering because they don't the reason i'm wondering this is because they don't as a habit tend to write major family characters out the show because Alice is an Aldrich, mm, um, right? Which is, you know, central. Yeah. So it's whether they they write her out of the show or you know have the 
kid taken away yeah i mean because when you're thinking about these story things you're balancing what would be accurate to real life with what the how far the show will push it because if someone told me this story and it was just someone they knew i'd be like she's not coming back from bath like unless someone goes to get her and they like physically drag her back and like make her stay in a hospital she's not coming back from bath um new year's road trip for the for the uh aldridges <laughs> off to Basically. bath they go we get a we get a road trip episode <laughs> i mean if you're addicted to the degree that you're still like binge drinking and she's not just having like a single glass she's like binge drinking if you're mm-hmm. addicted to the degree you're doing that when you're carrying a child intervention it seems like fucking that's necessary. Gonna, that's yeah. It seems like that's the best course of action. So I am really curious about what they're gonna do. That is, it, it, it is an interesting plot line in terms of I don't. It's a heavy mm. topic, and because they've done worse things, it's just one of those things that they've done where the worst consequences seem unsustainable for the plot right yeah it yeah i guess that is that is a a point of like how far can they push it before they've written themselves into a a corner effectively partly because of audience response as well because started snowball in in audience response and Mm. also like having to then write entire months and months of story about one thing because it's so big that it takes up so much time Mm. because you have different you have different types of bad people on the show you have rob who it's absolutely clear the intention is always to eventually write him out and i can see him eventually you know darkening someone's door again in the village in like five years time or something like that like he comes back to be a shit Mm -hmm. who knows um, but he's off in America now, and everyone pretty much knew that was always going to happen. And then you have people like Philip Moss as well, who's the guy who's who's keeping keeping people. I I can see it going lots of ways with him, but realistically, he's probably also going to get written out eventually. Um, people like Russ, I think that could go either way. And then you have people who do kind of shitty things who are more central like Jazza selling alcohol to a kid and mm. uh, Alistair's gambling addiction that you know re- screwed people over a lot pretty much everything that Justin does uh, <laughs> just his <laughs> whole existence, existence. Um, you know all kinds of things like that people being kind of a knob on the show mm. I can't imagine people being particularly forgiving to Alice. Even though this is an addiction, which is a huge problem, and I both empathise and sympathise with how painful it can be. In terms of audience response, I don't see her coming back from this very well. Right. Because there's there's this, like, internal morality like the the in fiction 
yeah. universal morality. And it's a morality that has been built up over, you know, the, the entire length of the show in terms of what is acceptable for these village people to do. Not the village people. Uh, <laughs> what is acceptable can do, for the village people? <laughs> they can do whatever they want. Uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, it, what is acceptable for residents of Ambridge and what isn't, and that has shaped the audience response. And also, you know, coming back to the thing that we always say of, like, this show is not made for us. It is made for a, a set demographic who have a very particular worldview, and that probably... I'm generalising, but probably doesn't have as nuanced uh, an understanding or... Uh, empathy for addiction conversations mm. uh and is more likely to label bad mother uh and it would be interesting to see what they how they counteract it or how they just play straight into that i don't know if this sounds weird but i do think it helps that it's alcohol at least <laughs> right yeah i guess that is true if you if you had a that it's it like, like an opioid a boozy, wine-drinking, rich, right. rich woman. I mean, that's more of a question of admittance of sympathy and empathy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, that, I'm being extremely mean right now. But, <laughs> yeah, but there you're is being a culture to, like, of... old middle-class white people, so I think it's okay. <laughs> there is a culture... Look, as much as we don't like to admit it, those were our people. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Um, so, yeah, no, there is there is this culture of, of binge drinking, which is a huge problem. And is it going to hit too close to home for so many people? Of like, I, I, This story has had me thinking about certain people that uh -huh. I used to know. Um, the... I, I admit you get to that age when you kind of leave that space and I was very much in that suburban, you know, middle class culture of... Not my family, though. My family has always been very reasonable and conservative when it comes to alcohol consumption. Like, mm. I've literally only seen my mum drunk, like, once. I think, in my right. entire life that I can remember. But friends of the family had this very... God, everyone has that one woman that they remember is constantly a mess. <laughs> you know? You know what I'm saying? I don't even remember <laughs> her name. She just exists as a vague shadow of of drunkenness yeah, in, in the recesses like, of your mind. slightly overdone eye makeup. And oh man! Slightly uh, leopard print. Slightly poor, <laughs> poor amount of balance. <laughs> they always dress like um. They always have that like. They always have slightly too much of that like really cheap jewelry. Costume jewelry, yeah, just yeah. covered in costume jewelry. Like they've just accidentally walked through a, uh, you know, a tui or whatever. Mm. That's a travel agent, and they're always what am like, I thinking? <laughs> they're always <laughs> like really fun with you, you know, like you're a teenage teenage kid, and they're like, they're really fun with you in that way where they're like clearly want to be seen as like, 
your friend Hip instead of an it. adult. <laughs> oh no. It's so depressing that that, that that's that appears to be a universal experience. <laughs> I mean it makes sense. There is always And their husbands are always like very emotionally unavailable. You mean they're men. <laughs> More emotionally unavailable <laughs> than most, than most oh. men. Oh no! <laughs> like they have this look on their face. Their wife's having a really good time, and they're like, "I'm not." Yeah, they're they're <laughs> like, "I'm also here. I am present in this moment." Mm. And they oh. they spend they spend like the entire time ignoring her, except when they have to like carry her to the door. Wow, it's. You've really painted a picture <laughs> of English suburbia. Uh, God, it's... I know who fictional characters I'm thinking of. The fucking friend couple in Gavin and Stacey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah I'm talking about much. them. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's an accurate portrayal. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay, well, anyway, I would I'm be worried. interested to see... Yeah, I would be interested to see where this goes. Uh, I hope it doesn't go too dark, because at, at a point there is... Well, I was going to say there's a cutoff for how dark we can get on this show, but that brings us on to our <laughs> next topic. <laughs> I'm really struggling with it. I'm not going to lie. I... You know me, I'm, like, quite... Uh, I have a quite strong... Despite the fact that I often make a big stink about these, like, aggressive emotional reactions to shit when we record this, I'm putting on a bit of a performance. Because I mostly waters off a duck back with things happening in fiction. Like, I'm like, right. yeah, it's a show, I'm good. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm struggling to listen to the shit. Yeah, It's making I me mean... pretty peed off. I'm I'm kind of I can't say I'm uh I'm I'm very rarely uh envious of the fact that you're the one of the two of us that listens to the show. Uh but it certainly uh hasn't been aided. You you know, you've not made me want to pick up the the BBC Sounds app and uh go listen back. I I've I've said before that They've been very, for the most part, circumspect about the actual aspects of slavery to the point where early on I was like, Hank, wait, huh? Is this? Okay. No. Well. Wait. Oh. Uh oh. <laughs> and that's not, that's not exaggeration, Eri was sitting there the first time they were they were doing it and I was I, I went back five minutes in my listening and went nope that's what you I heard you didn't miss anything there that, that, is, miss that is what is happening Yeah. the implications are the implications oh boy they've thrown off subtlety in a couple oh, just of really recent just things thrown well, caution to the wind I, I can't remember if I've talked about this, but Philip and Kirsty are going to move to Wales and give the business off to Gavin. We could have talked about I it, we could have known. I don't think been. you mentioned that, but no. then again, you could have done and I would never know. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> uh, 
that that plan's kind of gone out the window. The stuff they've been building up recently is Gavin has been a lot more protective and sympathetic of the of the lads. Um he's always been way closer to them than his dad has and basically takes care of them. Although I hesitate to use the word care. It's the most applicable. The the most basic uh amount of human decency required. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um There is there is no money to keep the business going. So they're gonna basically I, I can't think of the exact business term. I want to say something like liquidize the assets, but that's probably a little bit extreme for what they're doing because they're not like going bankrupt. They're just, you know, pulling everything apart. And it got really explicit for the first time because Philip said we're gonna we're gonna sell the boys on. So they're just they they're gonna they're gonna sell them. Oh my oh yeah. Well, that's that's pretty much as explicit as you can get. Yeah. And they call them they they call them um they always call Philip always calls them horses. That's the like lingo that they use because that you know Jesus. they have to be like horse traders and that kind of thing. Um which is bad enough on its own, but um Gavin Gavin tends to say the actual S word a little bit more. Um, which I think comes more from a place of um, uh, honesty among scumbags <laughs> more than anything. Yeah, Gavin is very upset because he does have some amount of sympathy, maybe, but he he said duty of care so kind of talking about it like you know like charges and he's upset because they're going to be sold to this woman named Victoria as difficult as i'm finding it because i can i kind of have a i i do like some edgy stuff this isn't the kind of edgy <laughs> stuff I really not, like. This is uh, perhaps a step too far. Uh, it's all oops, all edge. Well, it's just them um, like... It's partly because it's the archers. Because I've talked before, the way they write it and the way you feel listening to a radio show... It kind of feels like this over intimate moment where you're like in a room with someone like literally the only thing I could compare it to this sounds really bad the only thing I could compare it to is erotica because I don't like erotica and the only times I've tried to read it I've not enjoyed it because I just feel like I'm in the room with two people and I'm like I'm so happy for you <laughs> I'm like I support you <laughs> and I kind of compare the two feelings, except I can actually listen to the archers. Because I just feel like, and the I'm not talking about most porn mundane now, I'm talking about pervert. erotica. Because like, you know, like two, it's like that kind of thing where it's like two people who 
uh, you know, like two people who are actually in love and it's like them, like heavy pen, you know, but I'm still like, I feel like I'm sitting on like a very, like, I'm sitting on like a rocking chair in the corner of the room and they're like cuddling and I'm like, oh, you guys are sweet. (laughs) Like I'm their mate. And I feel like that about the archers. Like, I feel like I'm this person who's standing 10 feet away from them having this conversation. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. Or, oh, are you guys? (laughs) Like, it doesn't feel like fiction to me. It feels like some weird thing I'm observing. Yeah. Which is a testament, I guess, to the effectiveness of this long form show uh i seriously or, can't read erotica or it's a testament to you getting way too emotionally invested in everything that goes on at all times <laughs> i just little column a little column b perhaps i thought about sometimes i thought about reading 50 shades of gray just because it might purge the like you need to break the curse. Well, like, I feel like it will be so terrible that it will break any, like, sentiment I have for the genre. You'll never find anything sexy ever again. <laughs> it's not- I'm not talking about sexy right away. I'm talking about- I'm talking about intimate romance. That's why I'm saying erotica. Like, right. I feel okay. everything on the Archers feels intimate to me. In the mm-hmm. way that, like, a story about two people falling in love and 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 cuddling, cuddling, cuddling I'm like, are oh, you guys? I should. I feel yeah. like I should give you some privacy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. Uh, just the thing that stood out to me as you were explaining everything that's going on is the complete tonal whiplash which I've talked about before of having and, and and like like I was saying earlier about this internal morality of the village like how is this alongside a mishap with some Christmas lights like how is how are these things happening I mean in the same all of it's pretty month? heavy you say tonal whiplash but comparative to the scope of things there's been pretty much no reprieve literally the only reprieve is the fact that Helen might move out of her family's house with the kids and move into a new house but even that is tainted with the fact that she's only able to do that that now because she's gone over the fear of her abusive husband Oh my god, who's taken over? Someone in the writer's room has gone, you know what 2020 needs? You know we did that whole area of the year where we only had monologues and they were a bit shit and everyone on Twitter had a go at us. You know what will really win the fans back around? The edgiest Blade 1993 fucking DC universe level of of dark, gritty realism about the heartlands of Britain. I don't need a man and his son standing directly next to my ear and talking about slavery. 
currently right it. now in my life. You don't need it right now. I'm good. I've got enough going on. I just... <laughs> it doesn't feel distant enough to me, you know. I Not to say when I read things, I don't sometimes struggle, like lose my shit. Like I read something recently that... What you know was from the perspective of someone suicidal, and I was like, uh, like I felt that like the whole time I was reading it. But even that, I still wanted to read it. Whereas mm-hmm. this, I'm like, can you just step, like, just step like, a little uh, bit away from me, the sir? Corner a little bit over there. I mean, I, you know, I am uh, arguably the most distant that a person can be from uh, from this storyline. Uh, other than, I, I guess, a listener to this show that also doesn't listen to The Archers. Um, and even I'm finding it hard to even say anything other than what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck. Yeah, I mean, there's just no jokes. <laughs> there's no jokes to be had. Sorry, lads. Uh, we swapped our jokes for edginess I this mean, week. I mean, we even... we you know, managed to make all those children and men jokes and everything. We can't do anything. <laughs> we can't do anything with this. Yeah, what are, what are we supposed to do with this? I, I've already used up all my edgy mid-noughties film material. Um, oh, let's just do the nice stuff, because I'm okay, not... There is, let's there is finish some up, reprieve, actually. Let's finish up with, with something nice. So the two things, um, Eddie and... Uh, David are now doing more concerted sting operations against the Detectorists, which included Eddie infiltrating the Detectorist forums under a pseudonym so he could lure them into a field um, where they would get the police to show up. Uh, but the Detectorists caught on and slashed Eddie's tires with a knife. And I was like, that's pretty funny, though. <laughs> this is uh, some high drama. So that was pretty good. Um The other thing, Christmas show stuff. Uh, oh yeah, I, Tracy's I, I, boyfriend Roman, who she met when he was doing uh, one of those mystery dinner things that she went to, and he was an actor for them. I, I really oh, love their romance. What a what a great meet cute. <laughs> yeah, uh, you are a guest, and and they are <laughs> pretending to be suspicious. Rita how, X, how Rita X, mystery mystery actor. <laughs> Oh, what a what an intriguing little nugget to start your relationship off on. I mean, you know, talking to the in-laws and being like, well, how did you guys meet? And it's like, well, I was Mrs. Flumbottom and he was Dr. Brown. And did he poison the tea? He'll never tell. Ooh. I've never gotten to do one of those things. Neither have I, hence the terrible names and plot lines. I have no frame of reference. <laughs> I feel like that's the marmite of acting. Like, you love it or you hate it. In terms of, like, mystery dinner shit. Like, live roleplay performance. Basically LARPing, but a murder mystery. Yeah. You really do a... I, I, you can really go Middle class LARPing. <laughs> I think it mostly <laughs> depends on the acting, obviously. But so I feel like yeah, probably I, a lot I of would, people overdo I would be it. 
I would be so concerned about the levels of cringe in a room full of uh, wannabe performers who all want their moment in the spotlight by being uh, cringy, like over the top Cluedo knockoffs. All oh, right, I did it. I, I mean, did it. <laughs> it was me. Uh, I mean, have you seen Have you seen Clue, the film? With Tim Curry, um, the masterpiece with Tim Curry. Yeah, the masterpiece film with Tim Curry, Flames five stars on the side of my face, heaving breaths. I'm gonna go home and have sex with my wife. Uh, <laughs> it's like if it's not that, I'm not interested. I, <laughs> if Tim I, Curry's not there, I watched that whole film because of the flame, flames on the side of my face monologue. I saw that and I was like, I'm going to watch this whole film. <laughs> wow. I think I was on a Tim Curry binge, uh, which is a weird thing to, to, to engage in. Being a fan of animation means that you're always on an accidental Tim Curry binge. It's the thing <laughs> I've learned. He was in a Barbie movie I watched recently. I got super excited about that. He was in a Barbie... Hey... I have so many questions. <laughs> oh, go give me, give me them all. What, why were you watching a Barbie? Why am movie? I never not watching Barbie? Me, I've you know, I've, I'm really surprised you don't know this about me. I've seen like every single Barbie, Barbie films? movie, and I've seen a lot of them recently. Wow. Uh, why was Tim Curry in this Barbie movie? What role did he play? Um. So I think it was. I finally got around to seeing Barbie and the Three Musketeers. And I think he was playing the main villain or one of the so, villains. Wait, wait, wait! Is Bar- Barbie and the Three Musketeers? So she isn't one of the Musketeers. Well, it's like the original book. There's actually four of them. That was always the. Well, la di da for me not having read some Duma, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so no, no, no! I'm not la di daring you. Like a a lot of people don't know that. But it, and it's kind of an annoying thing, but there's actually technically four of them. Because you have... The idea is that they, like, meet the three musketeers. And there's a fourth... It's a, it's a musketeer and his pals, the three musketeers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I'm like, I can never remember them. D'Artagnan and Porthos and... Um, I think, he, yeah, so I think he was in Three Musketeers. But it was... A, it was I had that classic Tim Curry moment where um, I was like, I recognize that voice. Tim Curry! How did you get in here? (laughs) He's in so much... He's done probably more animated shit than he's done live-action shit. That's... That is... That's unfortunate. He has such an expressive face. Yeah, yeah. But he has a... You know, he's in his own knee. He's done... He played um I think the weirdest thing he played was when he played um uh I don't know if you know this, but do you do you know Osmosis Jones? Yes, I do, of course. Yeah, the so classic. you know there was a TV show of it as well? I I am aware of it, I've not seen yeah. it. He played uh nicotine. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. In the Osmosis what, what? Jones show. What a weird role. It's... I still re- I remember it really well because he was super fucking scary. 
because you know because he's Tim Curry and he was like they they were doing like PSA level like yeah, be afraid of this like, thing shit come and smoke a cigarette the villain me. in the original movie was I think pretty spooky also pretty scary yeah, yeah. um I have no idea how we got here we were uh, talking about detectorists we were talking about tires. Tim Curry for some reason. Oh, it was the meet cute of the the uh Yeah, the and we were talking about Clue. Dinner That's actor. it. I think this tangent has been worth it though. I can't believe I've Absolutely. never talked about Barbie on on this podcast before. <laughs> That's I our, never our spin off show. There's never been a Barbie farm orientated movie, and I do think that's quite that's Did not you say right. Barbie it's not like Barbie horses, but like not. Oh, Barbie farm. I thought you said thumb. <laughs> like, what's so special about Barbie? I mean, they've done Did Barbie Thumbelina, so that's not true. Right? At all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So this is. It, yes, was it just, Roman uh, has the taken romances? over directing this Christmas uh, variety show, and he did that whole thing where he met up with them, and he was. He he was he was doing the exercises with them, and they were all like, "Oh, oh here we go." Yeah, <laughs> we know those. Uh, wait, who? But I thought, um, because Linda's not involved, but she was like training up a protege. Well, right? who was that? Freddie's still running the that show, but he kind of quickly realized he has no clue what he's doing in terms of directing. Um, okay, he's more so... of a backseat. Yeah, producer role. I guess. I guess that's where they're going with it. Anyway, okay. Ro- Roman and Tracy went to him and Roman said, hey, I really do want to do some work right now because I'm losing it. It's not fun during being an actor during a pandemic. Uh, no, so... it really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's directing that show now and uh, I'm assuming going to take it way too seriously. I am so excited for next time when we can, hopefully there'll be lots of juicy bullshit that happens uh, to do with this show and we can, we can digest it. I mixed my metaphors, but you know. uh... (laughs) I'm trying to think about what the Barbie Archers movie would be called. I'm like either leaning towards like, um, Barbie, uh, um barbie cow princess or um (laughs) wait see cow princess is much more appropriate to the barbie kind of universe but barbie plow princess just has a certain (laughs) ring to it that i can't get over but uh barbie and the bunting bandit they wouldn't use the term... This is the thing. They wouldn't use the term bandit in the title of a Barbie movie. Oh, Barbie. There's like the... a certain amount of words that are like... Fo- There's a certain vocabulary that you're allowed right. in naming a Barbie movie. So could I have uh, Barbie and the mystery of the bunting? I don't know if there's been a mystery... But there's been secret like it's a lot. Mis- so oh. I think you could probably stretch to mystery. <laughs> Barbie and the the missing bunting. Mm, I mean, if you wanted to really be on track with naming a Barbie movie, you'd have to say Barbie and the secret of the bunting. Okay, great. That's uh, I'm pitching it to 
Mattel? I don't know who owns Barbie. Mattel, I'm pitching, yeah. yeah I'm pitching and then it to Mattel. Uh, Universal produces the movies. Wow. That's uh, we're we're rich. This is what we're doing. Uh, we <laughs> I'll just we'll sign off with the BBC and then we'll take it to Hollywood. Uh, I just know they've done the recent ones. The most recent one I watched was a 2016 one, which, not gonna lie, actually slapped. It was a Barbie really good science fiction. It was Barbie Barbie Starli- Starlight Adventure. Um, and she the, is a uh like a train. space. She's a train at Starlight Express. She's a space princess with the force. What? Yeah, and she she's a hoverboard rider. Um, wow. And she's That's incredible. She's like in a crew that are like saving the galaxy. Well, okay. Now you've got me invested in the Barbie verse. <laughs> I guess we'll have to do a show where you exactly the same oh, way shit. I refuse to I watch have... any of the films. That's been the thing missing from my life recently. I can I get Barbie Barbie podcast. Barbie podcast. I don't think well, it would be the same as this though. I think you should actually just watch the Barbie. I need to actually watch the films as well. Okay, great. Well, stay tuned for that. I guess in the new year. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, thank you for joining us in this most turbulent year. It's uh, been a. I don't know. It's been shining right. jo- <laughs> Fuck. It's been a shining <laughs> moment. Uh, each each time we record this for me to crawl out of the desperate hole that this year has been trying time and time again to shove me in uh, to talk about this ridiculous show with you. Uh, wow, you've certainly got the Christmas spirit. We love to hear it. I never have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and and yeah, I guess I guess have a happy time of this year. Holidays <laughs> are abound. Uh, uh, yeah, happy Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Uh, keep keep staying safe uh, because Jesus. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, we will see you, or you will hear us in the new year. Until then, I have been Alex. We know it's going to be rough. Some of you might not be able to be near your folks, but know that we're thinking of you, even if we don't know you. Christmas may be just a date, but it's about family in the dark times, and consider us your family, even though we also have made the dark times a little bit darker by talking about horrible stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe don't listen to this episode on repeat. (laughs) around the the holiday period maybe go back yeah maybe go back the one to the where, one I where we Joe made Pasquale all the jokes about um, <laughs> that guy being a horse back in the good old days right there we go the good old days um oh. we love you stay safe stay warm stay indoors yeah um i i've been ray make sure you close the gate well, those cows, they'll, they'll slaughter half the population of Detectoring Britain. Those eyes. Those eyes. Those eyes.
Merry Christmas.